0: Welcome back to another episode of the Call It A Comeback Sports Podcast. My name is Bobby McGuinness and I'm back alongside Tom Spalone, and we're here with a special guest, Colin Nozick. Colin, how's it going today?
1: I am wonderful. Thank you, Bob. Happy to be back.
0: Yeah, we've had you on this show, what, two times now?
1: Yep, it's All the
0: right. third time, so. Glad to be back. Glad to have you back.
2: And Tom, how are you doing so far today? I'm pretty good. My New York Knicks just got a a win in their opener last night at the Garden, and uh, I I couldn't be happier, honestly, to start the NBA season. Yeah, man,
0: huge win for the Knicks, opening up, uh, picking up where they left off um, after their successful season last year. I'm very excited for them. We're going to get into that a little later. First, I want to start off by talking a little about the MLB postseason. Obviously, we've been keeping up with it a little bit throughout the series here, but now we're deep into the NLCS and the ALCS, and we're looking at an elimination Game here for the Braves and the Dodgers. Colin, what are your thoughts about Atlanta with this 3 1 lead?
1: Uh, As you know, last year Atlanta crumbled with a 3 1 lead, so you obviously can't be too confident about anything, but that was played on neutral sites. You know, they moved around the playoffs last year. There was really no home field, but they'll have two games back at the chop house to close it out if they can't get it done on the road tonight. So I'm very confident in the Braves, and that lineup is just deadly. For an 88-win team, you'd think they were a 108-win team. They are good.
0: Right. All that being said, the Braves are without Acuna, and they're still putting up great numbers. Obviously, they have a good chance to win this series here against the Dodgers. The game tonight, Game 5, is in L.A., and, Tom, the Braves will have Max Fried on the mound. However, we do not know who is on the mound yet to start for the Dodgers, and it is currently 440. We are less than four hours till game time is that going to play a factor in this game? I mean, how do you not know who you're going to go with this close to game time in an elimination game?
2: Yeah, it's honestly a little weird. I think they're probably going to go opener. They've thrown Knable out there a few times this series uh, for the first inning so far this postseason. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen there, but this L.A. team really has their backs against the wall right now. They have to win the la- the next three games if they want to get to the World Series, it's do or die now. This Atlanta team is really shocking everyone. I think someone we really need to talk about is Eddie Rosario and how they traded for him at the deadline. And he's just been phenomenal. He was injured uh, when they traded for him, but this guy's just going off. He has two four hit games in the NLCS, which is just, it's up there with the greats. And this guy is just really carrying Atlanta to a World Series berth. Yeah, I did
0: not expect to see Atlanta even this far Uh, when we were making our postseason predictions. I believe I had the Brewers coming out of the NL, and uh, I've been pretty shocked by the Braves, and as a Mets fan, I'm not too happy seeing what's going on here, especially, like I said, without Ronald Acuna. It's pretty scary.
1: Oh, absolutely, and what really put it into perspective with how good this Braves lineup is is last night, Julio Urias went out there, a 20-win pitcher in the regular season, and he just got beat, plain and simple. Just got beat, and there are some talented arms on that L.A. team, and they haven't been able to figure it out, and that is interesting to me. Also, you had that base running mistake in Game 2 that led to the walk-off, and the Dodgers have really beaten themselves.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, we've seen from the Braves, you have guys stepping up. Uh, Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman, obviously, and even guys like Austin Riley earlier in the series, just stepping up, and, and they're all playing their role. Um, and that's, they're playing good baseball right now. And, that, and that was, that's really what matters in the postseason, is whoever's hot is going to get there.
2: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the 2019 Washington Nationals who were under 500 uh, early on in the season and then just went on a big run and won the World Series. It's kind of like what the Braves are doing. They were trailing the Mets most of the season in the NL East, and then they kind of just came out of nowhere, won the division, and now they're just the hottest team in baseball right now, and they're one win away from the World Series. So it's it's pretty crazy. All it takes is who, who's hot in the postseason. Right, and we're going to have another elimination game
0: tomorrow when the Red Sox take on the Houston Astros in Houston. Obviously, the Astros hold the 3-2 lead there, and and Colin, being a Red Sox fan yourself, you had to be confident in the Red Sox early in the season, but these last two games between last night and the night before, this Astros uh, lineup has really come alive, and you've got to be pretty scared right now if you're in the Red Sox.
1: As uh, as funny as it sounds, I'm actually more confident now than I have been in the past in situations like this just because this was the mantra of the Red Sox this year. Go on, just have a good series, have a good weekend, week, whatever, and just beat the ball all over the park and then come up and lay an egg. And that's what happened in games four and five. And it was such a roller coaster that you hope that they can just grab another upswing and start to swing the bats well in Houston. It'll be tough. No one wants to be down 3-2. But if there's anyone who can bounce back from being beat that bad at home twice in a row to do it, it's this year's Red Sox.
0: Well, that's what I I was a little concerned about is because the Red Sox played so well in Fenway. And then to drop two games like that, it's a little discouraging. And now uh, tomorrow they're going to have Nathan Evaldi on the mound. We saw him in that game two nights ago uh, in the 9-2 game. Or Sorry, yeah, uh, two nights ago we saw him. He came in and he gave up four earned. Does that worry you at all heading into the start tomorrow?
1: Uh, no, it doesn't worry me at all what he did. It's more what Alex Cora did. Uh, you you look at that strike, missed strike, three call and you can point fingers, but at the end of the day, uh, it was um Castro who made a great swing on a three two pitch to take the lead, drive it into center. But Cora going with their worst arm out of the bullpen and Martin Perez with the bases loaded and still two outs. I mean, they could have they could've gotten out of that inning, but he went with the worst pitcher and Brantley cleared the base with a double, and it just got away from them from there. So I still think Evaldi can be nails he has in the postseason. He is 4-2 in his postseason career. Both losses came in relief. Four wins were starts. So if he can get to the top of that order early and get through the order twice with one or two earned, I think they'll be in a good good space.
2: Yeah, definitely. I honestly thought this series was over a few days ago. I thought the Red Sox were on their way to a, to another World Series. Um, they just had everything going for them, but these last two games at Fenway Park, the Astros lineup has just come out of nowhere, and they've just been raking. And guys like Brantley and Jordan Alvarez are just what makes a major league ball club a World Series contender, and their lineup is just really, really scary. So, I mean, it's going to be really tough for Boston to steal both games at minimade, but, I mean, if it's any team, it's probably Boston because their lineup has been really streaky this season, and I think they can turn it around. So, I mean, I I think this is going to go seven games. I think Boston will win game six, and then it's all hands on deck for that seventh game.
0: Yeah, and looking at that uh, Nathan Ovaldi appearance two nights ago uh, in game four, I will cut him some slack because I thought that he had um, a strikeout there with two outs. He laid, I believe it was a curveball right in there, and I thought it clipped a plate. I thought it was low enough. However, it was a ball, and the next pitch, sure enough, uh, the Astros took the lead in the top of the ninth. So I'll cut him some slack there, but nonetheless, he continued to give up a few runs after that. Um, And then we look at that game five, and the Astros had that big inning, um, and I think a big part of it was... Some misplays in the defense. Are you a little nervous with Kyle Schwabert? I mean, he dropped that ball. It was right in his mitt, and that would have saved a big inning. Um, They may have only came away with maybe two or three runs. Uh, That's a little concerning to me as well.
1: No, it's definitely concerning. I think that you really do need to push the panic button on Kyle Schwabert. Not only is he 3 for 17, I believe, in the series, not hitting for a great average. He does have that big grand slam, but... He's made countless mistakes over there, and I think Game 5 was the last game he will play at first base this season. I see Cora transitioning away from Renfro in the outfield. He's just been terrible, not hitting his cuts on defense, and you want a double play machine. He looked like the whole Yankees roster this year. (laughs) I can see Cora transitioning to Bobby Dahlbeck, who's not a great first baseman defensively, but he uh, definitely provides a little more than Schwarber on the the glove side, but Renfro is really the liability in that lineup that they need to get out of there.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's winter go home now for the for the Boston Red Sox. Colin, do you think they have a chance to get out and make the World Series?
1: There's always a chance. I, I'll never say that there's not a chance, but it has been demoralizing what the Astros came in and did to them in Fenway. And the only chance they really have, the slim chance, is to get to that bullpen in Game Six because, as you said, Game Seven, all hands on deck. The only thing you can count on is. Valdez the only starter who's really locked you down will not be available They're not gonna pitch him on three days rest with 90 pitches, but
0: right so I mean so tomorrow they're going with Luis Garcia Mm -hmm. And the last time uh, that he saw the Red Sox was earlier in the series I believe it was game two and he gave up five earned runs to the Red Sox. So they have his number Uh, This is definitely a guy that the Red Sox know and have seen before and hopefully they're ready to attack and force a game seven
1: that's what you got to hope for and one interesting note that I actually haven't heard anyone mention on the broadcast is uh, the team to score the first run of the game has won all five in this series so it's going to be about getting on the board early if you can get on the board in the top of the first and really give avaldi a lead then you have a chance if you don't then you might be in some trouble
0: all right so there you go that's Colin Nozick's keys to success yeah. <laughs> score first and hold that lead so moving on Let's talk about the New York Knicks. I can't wait to talk about this. Um, Not only because I get the enjoyment of, Colin, you being a Celtics fan, but the Knicks look like they're building something special here. And Tom Thibodeau has a plan, and these players are buying into it, man. I mean, the defense looked amazing last night. I believe Randall had three blocks. Mitchell came away with a few blocks. Um, Steals left and right helped defense. I mean, this Knicks team, I think, is legit. obviously they're not the best in the East, but this is a playoff team and it sure will be a scary playoff team when the playoffs roll, when the postseason rolls around.
2: Yeah, I'm really excited about this next squad. Uh, We we really saw what they can do last night. Uh, This is probably the most complete team they've had since the Mellow Days. Fournier, that signing in the offseason a lot of people thought maybe it was a little too much money for the guy he came out and dropped 30 plus points from last night hitting clutch three after clutch three in those overtimes and uh rj barrett's defense on uh tatum last night was remarkable i just can't say enough about this next squad right now it's a big win and um steven a smith said it on first take this morning uh i might have to ride with them the only two teams in the east that i see being the next right now are the, are the nets and the bucks I I think the Knicks got to be over the Celtics after they went last night, and I think they're over the Heat, and I think they're over the Sixers with Simmons being out right now. Simmons won't play
1: another game in in Philly. Yeah, I actually saw saw
2: today about a half hour before the podcast,
0: Ben Simmons is out indefinitely right now uh, in Philadelphia. So unless they decide to move him, I don't think there's going to be any buyers for him. I'm not sure if there's a Ben Simmons market out there, if any team would want to take on that headache right now. Um, But sure enough, like Colin said, we might not see him in a 76ers uniform again.
1: Yeah, probably not. I, I would be very, very scared to see him in a Sixers uniform. I mean, they were very open about how they wanted to push him out in the offseason. When he's your franchise point guard, per se, you, you can't do that. They were so open about wanting to get rid of him that he shouldn't be expected to want to show up and play.
0: Right. So, I mean, time t- make a, b- a good point there. I'm not really sure what other teams in the East. You've mentioned Miami. Um, the Hawks obviously had the Knicks number last year. This is a this is an improved Knicks team though. You look at a team that upgraded. They did lose Reggie Bullock, but they upgraded with like you said, Evan Fournier he dropped 32 last night. A big uh, problem for them last year was the point guard position. How did they address that? They brought in Kemba Walker. I think that this uh, Knicks team and Leon Rose has done a great job in the off season. They didn't make the big splash. There was rumors floating around about maybe acquiring Dame Lillard. They didn't end up doing that. I like that they stay put. They held on to their draft capital. They held on to their young players. And we're seeing these guys start to pan out, and I think some of them have a very bright future.
1: Absolutely, and uh, you could see it in the garden last night. I, I mean, as a Celtics fan, obviously the, the loss hurts you, but that, that's what it's about. The garden was rocking. The young players were putting on a show. Obi Toppin was bringing the house down with some, some flashy dunks, and it, it's good to see basketball back in New York because uh, I believe Stephen A. said that the NBA is fun when the Knicks are good. LeBron right. said it, too. The NBA is fun when the Knicks are good.
0: It's true. And you mentioned a guy, Obi Toppin, who last year a lot would probably say had a disappointing rookie season. He came out. He was flying all over the court. He had 14 points, had put together a mini highlight reel of dunks. Um, he could be something special. I would like to see Coach Thibodeau use him and Randall on the floor at the same time. They play a very similar role. Um, but I think as far as like trying to defend that, Um, from an opposing team standpoint, I think that would be pretty tough, pretty difficult. So I would like to see that a little more. Um, However, he did, uh, Obi Toppin, he did get 28 minutes in the game that went to double OT. So they're obviously looking to give him a bigger role this year.
2: Yeah, and I think one guy that really goes underrated on this Knicks roster, I think he's going to be a key component for them if they want to finish high this season, is Mitchell Robinson. Uh, He had 17 boards last night, and he went 5-for-5 from the field 100%. Um, this kid is a seven foot one center who is a rim protector and a glass cleaner, and he should be doing that game in and game out, game in and game out. And he needs to stay healthy because he's had a ton of injury problems in the past. But we we know when he's on the court, he's going to be the guy getting all the rebounds under the glass. I mean, seventeen boards last night. You can't ask for much more, uh, especially when Nerlens is banged up right now. Taj Gibson was unavailable last night with personal matters. Uh, You had a rookie in uh, Jericho Sims who was backing him up. So we needed a big night from Robinson. We got it. I'm hoping that he can stay healthy and, and give us a great season. I mean,
0: yeah, you mentioned the seven-footer, Mitchell Robinson. He was dealing with injuries last year, had trouble staying on the court. The man had 17 rebounds last night while putting up 11 points and two blocks. This kid could definitely be something special. He might even be up there for most improved player of the year uh, when this season is starting to wrap up. As long as he can stay healthy, I mean, he's a good rim defender. He's a good scorer. Mitchell Robinson is going to be something that other teams are going to have to worry about.
1: Absolutely, and uh, someone that I think the Knicks should worry about on their own team is uh, Kemba Walker. W- watching that game, I really think Derrick Rose should be the point guard one on that team, and it has less so to do with the scoring, the, the assist. The numbers don't always tell the story, but those two costly turnovers by Kemba at the end. The Knicks should have run away with that game, should have been shooting free throws down the stretch to win by 8, 10 points and just put the Celtics back in it. He uh, helped down into the paint on the game-tying buzzer beater when the Celtics needed a three to tie. There was no reason for him to enter the paint. He just he didn't look good, but Derrick Rose does look good, and I think that he should be getting the bigger chunk of the minutes at that point guard position, but it's tough to do that with how much money Kemba makes.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with that. <clears throat> Kemba Walker, um, I wasn't really upset with how he played last night. He shot pretty decent from the field, went three for four from downtown, which is more than you can ask for him. But uh, I was really worried with those two turnovers at the end of the game. I really don't think he... He should be the guy in the game in those last few minutes. I think you're right. I think it should be Rose down the stretch because Rose has uh, that mentality and he's a veteran, and Rose hit that game ceiling clutch bang shot uh, in double overtime. So I think he should be the one in those games. But overall, I really don't think Walker played poorly. It's just those two turnovers magnified at the end. It looked really bad because you're right. The game should have been over with, and it let Boston right back in the game.
0: I mean, it was sloppy basketball the whole way. Julius Randle recorded seven turnovers as well. The thing about Kemba Walker is – I think Thibodeau needs to use him and Derrick Rose very strategically. So last night, obviously the minutes are a little skewed because they played two overtimes, but Kemba Walker recorded 36 minutes and Derrick Rose recorded 22. Don't be surprised if, I wouldn't say every other game, but if you look at the season, if they end up having similar minutes, because there's gonna have to be somewhat of a mixture of load management in here. So there's gonna be games where Kemba Walker cannot give 30 minutes, and he's gonna have to put in maybe closer to 15. And those are gonna be the games where Derrick Rose clocks in 30. So I think there's gonna have to be a little bit of of a rotation between the two veteran point guards, and as long as both of them uh, can have a strong presence on the court, that's exactly what the Knicks are looking for.
1: I just hope Thibodeau learned to uh, to trust Derrick Rose at the end of that game because if you look at the difference, Walker was in there and kind of sold the lead at the end of the regulation. He was in there for most of the first overtime, still tied, and uh, he was on the bench at the end of the second overtime when the Knicks were able to close it out. Yeah. So.
0: Well, my thing is, obviously, Derrick Rose, you know, he's he was the guy, honestly, in the postseason last year, Randall kind of crapped the bed and Derrick Rose was the guy who stepped up and was honestly keeping us in those games against Atlanta So I think I agree with you on that one Colin Rose is the one that needs to be in there down the stretch and As long as Kemba Walker can maybe figure out how to not turn the ball over in the clutch. He can stay on the court as well, but As of right now, I think uh, you made a good point Derrick Rose is definitely the more clutch player
2: Yeah, I agree, and uh, I think Player to worth noting on Boston last night I mean Jalen Brown hit almost about every shot it felt like that he took he was just on fire uh, the Knicks I didn't think were even playing maybe a few possessions didn't play great Deanna but I thought they played pretty decent with closing out his shots and it just didn't matter it seemed like he was just in an open gym just shooting <laughs> with with uh, free and easy uh, form and he was hitting everything 46 points for him he really picked the load up when Tatum didn't have it last night I think that's gonna be big down the stretch uh, this season for Boston, if Brown can pick up the load when Tatum doesn't have it, I think they'll be win a lot of games that way.
1: Yeah, I was uh, pleasantly surprised with that, considering that Jalen Brown had uh, not stepped foot in a gym in 11 days until warm-up yesterday. He just came off of having COVID, and they weren't sure about his lung capacity, whether he could play, but he did not look like he missed a beat, but they said he had not worked out in 11 days, and I guess maybe Tatum should not work out for a few days and see. (laughs)
0: I'll tell you what, that that man, Jalen Brown, really impressed me last night. I believe he had his career-high 46 points. Um, He was all over the place. Tom, like you said, it felt like every shot he put up, it was going in. And as a fan watching the game, it was so hard seeing that because we had no answer for him. And you know what? I think this is going to be a very good season. We're going to see a a breaking-out season for Jalen Brown. He's already been a phenomenal player in the league, but I think that we're going to start to realize that he is the true number one on the Celtics. And this man, Jason Tatum, is not the answer He's not the franchise player Uh, Last night, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat The man was 7 for 30 He absolutely sold the game for them in the clutch Uh, They needed a big three time after time in overtime And the man missed every shot he took Uh, Jason Tatum, the only play that I can remember from last night Where I can actually say that was a good play and helped the Celtics Was the and-one layup in overtime that gave them a one-point lead Besides that, Jalen Brown's the guy to lean on uh, I'm not a fan of Jason Tatum. I think this is going to be a very dangerous year for him. Uh, he couldn't hit a three, two for 15. That's very worrying for me.
1: I, I'm worried about the number he took. I mean, You have 20 points and that can get a little skewed where you look a uh, 20-point game from a star. Alright, he had a little bit of a poor performance, but no. Jalen Brown was hitting everything and the Celtics had a chance to win it at the end of overtime and Tatum took his post-fade over R.J. Barrett and just threw up a brick. And when someone's hot, you need to learn. That's part of growing as a player, and Tatum doesn't have that he's 19 excuse anymore. No, he's, he's a man. He's been in the league for a few years. You have to get the ball to who's going to score because they've been scoring, and it wasn't him, and he couldn't give up that shot. He wanted to take the last shot, and ultimately could have cost the Celtics the game.
0: No, I agree with you. A guy that I was impressed with in the Celtics, though, whose name is not Jalen Brown, is Robert Williams. Uh, he's actually, I know a lot, I knew a little bit about him last year when he stepped up after uh, about halfway through the season. I think he really started to come on. And, I want to say he
1: played about t- 24 games last year. He really battled injury most of the season, which was tough for him. But no, you, you are right. He was fun to watch.
0: Once they once they traded away Daniel Tice, too, he really had a chance to come into his own. Last night he had a double double, 16 10. I think that kid has a bright future. I've seen him put
1: up eight, nine block games. He is one of the premier shot blockers in the league, and it's going to come with minutes. As you said, with Tice leaving, it opened the door for him last year, and I think he will be starting the majority of games this year for them as long as they're healthy. But the Celtics as a whole need that defensive presence just because when it comes to your guard play and your even your forward play, Tatum's not a great defender. and Schroeder's not a great defender. So having that elite interior defender really does help you. But um, no, the Celtics... As a whole, last night, a little disappointing, but I was proud of the way that the young guys played. Grant Williams has just become one of the most slandered men in Boston. Everyone hated him, but he got the start last night because Richardson was out with migraines, and he played well. He uh, went. I think he scored 11 straight for the Celtics down the stretch and went 3-for-3 from deep, and he's the one who kept them in the game. Him, Neesmith, Langford, they all had some big shots, and I think if you're a Celtics fan, you get a smile at that and hope that the future with them coming off the bench is good, but the Knicks really did outbattle the Celtics last night.
0: So, Con, let me ask you a question. Who do you think is going to finish higher at the end of the season, the Knicks or the Celtics?
1: I think the Celtics. Only off of the Evan Fournier mirage from yesterday, I just – He's, he's good. I think he's a 20-point-per-game scorer, but he's not going to be putting him in like he was yesterday. You
0: could say the same thing about Jalen Brown, though. There's no way he's putting up 46 every day.
1: That is true, but he will be closer to having bigger performances than Fournier, I think. In, just in my opinion. Watching Fournier very closely, actually, in Orlando the last couple of years, I've always liked his play style. He hasn't really been a big three-point shooter. If you look, in his rookie year, he averaged, I think, two attempts a game. And then it got all the way up to five when he was in Boston, and now he put up, I think, seven or eight attempts in just the fourth quarter in overtime last night. So he's really starting to find a stroke, so he could be good. But I don't know if you can expect any more than 20 a game from him.
2: Yeah, um, that's fair to say. I just want to say real quick, though, it's just going to be – it's really good to have a guy like Randall on your team because when he's making the shots that he is, it's extremely – I'm not really sure – A lot of guys, this might sound a little biased, but I'm not really sure a lot of guys in the league right now that can guard Julius Randle. I don't know if, like last night, he's just a matchup nightmare, one would say, because when he's hitting the jump shot like that, I don't see a lot of people. Like Boston couldn't really man up against him last night. I mean, a lot of teams are going to have issue. I think that's going to really help the Knicks down the stretch. And when teams do want to double him, uh, like we saw a lot in the postseason, he he turned the ball over a lot. But last night when Boston tried doubling him, he just kicked the ball around, and gave it to Barrett, or he gave it out to Fournier. We saw a lot. Fournier was creating space for threes. So I think the reason why Fournier is going to be putting up big points hopefully this season is going to be because teams are going to be eyeing it on Randall like Boston was last night down the stretch, and then he's going to have to hit the big shots.
1: Another name you just mentioned there, RJ Barrett. He was stroking the ball last night. He he looked really good. I was impressed. He not really been a great shooter but i i think he really showed himself in that game what he can be and he can be just a a little knockout punch that you're not necessarily expecting
0: funny thing about RJ Barrett he had zero points in the first quarter zero points in the second quarter 14 in the third and then zero in the fourth he didn't score again until overtime yeah. he dropped 19 points which only came in the third quarter And overtime periods. He had
1: a big three in overtime, though. A huge, huge three. Huge three.
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing with him is just to have to be consistency because like he does have a tendency to just go ghost on the court and just sit in the corner and let Randall do his thing or whatever. But he's got to make sure that he's staying active and moving around. But he has been a big burst when the Knicks have needed it, especially getting out in transition and finishing off those dunks. Um, so I'm, I'm just want to see a little more consistency from him, but that was a big 19 for him last night, and that definitely helped the Knicks get the win. Yeah, I just want to hit one point that you mentioned, Tom. Julius
0: Randle, his ability to shoot the ball, if that three is fallen and teams need to come out and guard him, that's the best thing for him because he can then drive right to the hoop or back them down, and that's what he does best. So you saw yesterday, he opened up with two threes right out of the gate. Celtics have to give attention to that immediately, and that's when he was able to get one-on-one situations and bring people to the rack. And obviously, he had a phenomenal night, 35 points in the in the season opener.
1: One thing that I was a little disappointed with in Randall was uh, his shot selection on two specific possessions in uh, overtime and double overtime. Uh, The possession that Tatum missed his game winner, the shot right before when it was tied, Randall held and actually got his three blocked by Tatum. Took a step back after he held for about eight seconds. And then there was another play in double overtime where he did a give and go in the corner, got it back, held it for another three and put it up at the shot clock and it was just awesome awful. And their floor spacing was good on the play, he just wasn't looking for anyone else. I think when you have guys like Fournier and Barrett who are scoring in volume like they were yesterday, he doesn't have to be that only option they have to win a game.
0: I agree with that. And you know what? Julius Randle is not LeBron James. He's not a guy who can hold the ball and make a defender miss every time uh, or break their ankles or get by a defender every single time. You know what I mean? A big part of his game is backing defenders down. Now, that takes off a lot of clock. And like you said, it kind of delays the offense. It brings it out of, the, out of rhythm. I think he needs to look and just commit to one or the other. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not Coach Thibodeau. I'm not going to tell a man who just dropped 35 points how to play basketball. But I think as far as like the fluidity of the offense I think it would be beneficial if he looks to pass a little more if it's not there right away but I mean obviously he was working last night so he didn't have to overthink it
2: yeah uh before we move on uh Colin knows I have a question for you about the Celtics um so we didn't see a lot of Peyton Pritchard last night I know it's only game one but uh last season I thought he, he impressed me at least a lot with his shooting and uh Driving capability out of uh, Oregon, but uh, 11 minutes last night, not a ton. I know you guys got Schroeder, who came off the bench last night, had 32 minutes. Are you worried at all that that could stunt the kids' growth before, or not?
0: Before Colin answers, I just want to say we did see a little bit of Peyton Pritchard last night, um, 11 minutes, as well as his buddy Aaron Neesmith, also 11 minutes. Um, both recorded a whopping zero points. So, uh, Colin, just to add on to what Tom was saying, what was it going, why are they out there just running around? Are they trying to score? I don't understand because I didn't see that last night.
1: I watched Pritchard miss a huge three. Maybe late, maybe late it's in the, in the face mask. Quarter. Maybe
0: but I don't know what it is.
1: It it does surprise me because uh, there were guys inside the Celtics organization in the offseason who thought Peyton Pritchard had a legitimate shot to win 6 man of the year this year. They said he took tremendous leaps in his training in the offseason. And you had Richardson out last night. Even more chance for him to play, and they didn't play him. And it does concern me a little bit that You're not going to play the young guys that have that talent when you give those minutes to Schroeder instead down the stretch. Um, I get it was hostile environment. The garden was rocking. Maybe you wanted to trust a vet a little more. Maybe if he gets back to Boston, he'll play 20, 22 minutes in a game. But um, it was a little disappointing watching their lack of playing time considering that the other young guys were getting some big minutes like Grant Williams, Robert Williams. They were... I know they don't play the same position, but... Saw a lot of Romeo Langford as well. Did see a lot of Romeo Langford, and um, I don't think he's as bad as people have claimed him to be in the past. I think he has a very high ceiling. I just don't know if he can reach that ceiling in Boston, unfortunately.
0: I'm a very uh, big supporter of Dennis Schroeder. I think that he's pretty good. I honestly wanted him for the Knicks uh, in the last offseason before we got Kemba Walker, obviously. Um... Schroeder he played pretty well last night. He had 8 assists 12 points off 32 minutes But I think that I have no problem with Schroeder coming in and playing more minutes than Peyton Pritchard He has much more experience playoff experience last year um, And I don't know. I just I think I have no problem with that I think it is a little disappointing that Peyton Pritchard couldn't hit any of his threes. Uh, he only took two But I think we will start to see Peyton Pritchard come on a little more But I think he just has a different role than people expected him to have
1: Part of that also comes from, uh, I know you have the stats in front of you, Marcus Smart played about 30 minutes last night, right?
0: Uh, 46, actually, because overtime period. So I
1: didn't realize he was in the entire game, basically, but um, Marcus Smart has never really been a, a great offensive guard. He's always been that, get in your face, play defense. He looked good on offense last night, and I think that's partially why he stayed in, as opposed to sort of running that defense-to-offensive switch and let Pritchard come in for some runs. I think Smart overperforming on the offensive end hurt Pritchard a little bit, too.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. Smart did play well on the offensive end. I mean, I feel like to look at his offensive game, it's really if his threes are dropping or not because he usually does take a lot of threes. He had 11 threes last night. He went five for 11. So right, when he he's hit. hitting his threes, he's, he's going to have a good offensive game. He also hit right? the biggest shot of the game Absolutely. to send it into yeah, overtime.
0: It yeah. so. was a clutch shot. Yeah, obviously smart. They were going to ride with the hot hand. So some would say Peyton Pritchard was just out there running around. Speaking of players who were out there running around, um, I saw Danny Green logged zero points in 19 minutes for the 76ers. I mean, that's pretty – I don't understand that in the NBA, especially a guy like Danny Green who usually likes to shoot the ball. Um, But looking at that box score, I think that there's a little bit of – there's a little bit of good that comes with this Ben Simmons fiasco. And that's the fact that Tyler uh, Tyrese Maxey is going to get a chance to really show what he, what he got. And you know what I mean? This guy, uh, first-round pick out of Kentucky, uh, I remember watching him play, same class as Emmanuel Quickly. And that man put on a show last night. I'm looking here, 20 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Um, I think Tyrese Maxey... He can be a star for the 76ers team, and I know that he's not like the big guard um, that'll back you down like Ben Simmons, but he's a quick, scrappy player uh, who has a very nice shot as well, and he looks to get his teammates open. I think Tyrese Maxey could be really good this season.
1: I agree with you. Uh, Just by the basic numbers, he outperformed Joel Embiid as the best starter on the floor last night. I mean, Embiid had two more points, but... Maxie had a better field goal percentage. He had more rebounds, assists, played a lot more minutes, gave them some better outside defense. But um, really the interesting player last night was Korkmas. He just came in and was electric shooting the ball. 7 of 11 from the field, 4 of 4 from deep with 5 assists. I mean, he is that touch that they needed. Maybe they found the second coming of J.J. Redick, but um, the Sixers team is going to be good with or without Ben Simmons. They're obviously not going to be as good without him, but they can win some games, and they will be a playoff
0: team. I really like how Doc Rivers is using this 76ers team. Everybody played last night. Everyone played. There's not one player that uh, did not log a minute last night, and you got you got a lot of young talent. Um, Matisse Thibel is very good. He clocked in 27 minutes last night. I mean, he only dropped two points, uh, but defensively, he had four steals and, and a block. I mean, that's really amazing for the young guy. Um, you got other players coming in. you got veterans Georges Niang and Andre Drummond to have showed a presence last night as well, and that's really what they're going to need. I mean, the 76ers
2: team, we're talking about a team that was number one in the East last year. Yeah, no, I, I do like what Philly's doing. Uh, missing Ben Simmons could be a big miss for them just because he plays great defense, but he just doesn't score the ball or shoot the ball well for them. So it could be a blessing and a curse, like you said, but that Maxi kid has been really good. I liked him when he was playing at Kentucky. Uh, he can get points. That's what they're going to need. And, uh, yeah, I think Philly will definitely be up there with Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Knicks for those top top five seeds, top four seeds.
1: Yeah, I just had to uh, check the box score after you said that everyone played. And what I found more interesting is 10 guys played over 10 minutes. And you don't usually see that in the NBA, maybe seven or eight. But 10 guys getting double digits minutes is uh, a very optimistic coaching approach by Doc. Um, trusting all his guys to get the job done and he did it in a game that was fairly close they won by 20 but they're only up 10 going into the fourth quarter so it was very much still a game so um, they look complete even without ben simmons uh, if they can find a suitable trader for him they could even get better than what they put out last night if they can get something in return but they are very well in contention
2: to be back in the number one seat this year
0: it's true how do you think they match up in a team like the Milwaukee
2: Bucks? Not too well, honestly. I think the the Bucks are just – I think the Bucks are definitely the best team in the East right now, especially after watching that game against Brooklyn the other night. I mean, Giannis is just unguardable, and then when you add the shooters that they have around him, uh, Grayson Allen was hitting shots for the Bucks. I know DiVincenzo's hurt right now, I'm pretty sure, but he'll be back. He's a good shooter. So I mean they they got the, the pieces there so and they got to be a top defense in the league they do they definitely are Drew Holiday plays great defense uh, same with Giannis so it's a t- tough matchup and I'm not just not sure if Philly could keep up scoring wise against uh, a team like the Bucks
0: right so I'll go, I'll drop it down a step now how do you think they match up against the Brooklyn Nets.
1: I think the Brooklyn Nets match up poorly against most of the top teams in the East without Kyrie Irving, and that is a hot take. But if he does not play this season and he can't get on the court soon, they are in a world of trouble. They looked well outmatched the other night against Milwaukee. You know, you have that extra level of intensity. They dropped the banner. There was all celebration. The place was going nuts. But even without that, I thought that the Nets are not really a competitive team without their third in the big three.
2: Yeah, it's fair to say, and I just think they got to start playing better defense. There's just not a lot of defensive intensity on their squad right now. Like You look at the team like the Knicks last night, they were just ready to go defensively. I think that has a lot to do with coaching, too. Uh, I'm not sure what Nash is telling them over there, but their defense, there's a lot of easy buckets on the other end for the Bucks. Guys were just leaking out in transition, easy go-ahead passes and buckets, and the Nets just are not playing great defense. And I think that's a lot of the reasons why they're losing these kind of games.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of your star players, James Harden, I don't think I've ever really seen him play defense in my life watching basketball. He's amazing on the offensive end. I even said last podcast he could win MVP. Although when it comes to defense, I mean, he's like a New York turnstile. Turn I mean, it's just every, he's letting everybody go through. So yeah. another team that I want to point at is the Miami Heat. So they made a, a couple additions this offseason. They uh, acquired – Kyle Lowry, and I think that that's a big upgrade at the point guard position. Um, So the Heat, I don't believe they've played a game yet. They open Um, tonight at home against Milwaukee. Correct. And a lot of people have high hopes for them. I believe on our podcast last week, Julian Penza was telling us that the Miami Heat will be better than the Knicks. So... Obviously, some people around the league think that they could be really good. Colin, what are your thoughts about the Miami Heat?
1: Well, first off, I just got to let you know, this may shock you. The Heat are favored by three points tonight against the defending champions.
2: Wow. wow Interesting really
1: thought. So uh, Vegas and all the experts are with, uh, with Penns are thinking that Miami's legit. But wow, yeah.
0: They're going to be at home tonight.
1: I I just don't see a team coming back easily from what they did last year. and. They say you have championship hangover if you if you win a ring, but the Heat really underperformed last year after making it to the finals in the bubble, and I don't really know, I don't watch enough Heat games to understand their philosophy and what they can do as a team to get better, but you're right, they did make some additions. Um, I could see them being competitive. They've always been competitive in the East. They rarely are bottom feeders of the league, but I don't think that they're three points better than the Milwaukee Bucks tonight, that's for sure.
0: No. Definitely not. Yeah, I agree with that. I actually totally forgot that they have Victor Oladipo. Uh, He's out, though, nursing an injury. Um, When he comes back, though, this Heat team actually might be very impressive. The only thing that I look at is a guy like Tyler Hero was hyped up so much after his rookie season, he really fell off last year.
1: Oh, It was the bubble. The bubble turned people into players that they weren't, both for the good and for the bad. And you saw that with Tyler Hero. You saw it with... um, Guys like AD was unreal. Yeah, the who bubble.
0: who was the guy on the Suns that was going off, Tom? Not not Tucker, not PJ Tucker. Um, the guy who was on the Suns and he was going off in the bubble, um, twenty point games. I forget who it was. Yeah, are you sure it wasn't the Pacers? You also
1: had TJ um, Warren. Yeah, I mean, TJ oh, was Pacers. Oh, Pacers. So I think thirty eight a game in the bubble in his eight games. In the, that, that was just yeah, unreal. He was going off? And it was a different environment to play, and I think that. That helped some of the guys that weren't proven, like Tyler Hero. He hadn't proven himself in the league yet, and having that controlled environment, no fan experience, might have actually helped him feel like he was just playing pickup in the gym. Now that it's back to the real world, and you have to go on the road to places like the Garden, and you have to go into Milwaukee, that—that's big boy basketball. You're not playing pickup anymore, and I think that's where they really could get into trouble with some of the younger guys.
2: Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah, when I look at this Miami Heat team, I mean, they got a really balanced squad, and picking up Larry this year is definitely good. But uh, I just don't know if I'm going to trust Jimmy Butler down the stretch over a lot of the guys in the postseason because, I mean, Butler's a, a pretty decent shooter. He can get you points when you need to, but when it comes down to crunch time, I'm I'm taking a lot of the top guys in the league over him, and uh, that's just the way it is. But I do like Bam Adebayo a lot. I think he's a top big man in the league. I'd say, like, top five easily.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's definitely going to be an exciting team to watch because I feel like there's so many question marks around him. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess we'll have to monitor that as the season gets going. I mean, we're so early in the season. We're just taking some early reactions here. Um, but I have never been more excited for another basketball season. I mean, being a Knicks fan, this is really it, – it feels great having a yeah. team that I can actually look forward to.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: I get an over or an early overreaction for both of you that Anthony Davis is the best player out in the Lakers.
0: Mm. Nah, I won't I go as far can... as saying that.
1: I think he is going to make or break their championship success this year.
0: I'll never say that. I mean, LeBron's still the best player on that team. I mean, he has the ability to just take over games and in the clutch. Um, he's amazing. I mean, the only reason why I'm giving a little hate on Anthony Davis is because in that first game, I remember he missed a lot of shots. How many shots did he take? He took 26. 26 shots. He, okay. went,
1: he went 15 of 26. Uh, But one of five from deep. I've never seen him. I know that he can knock down the three ball. That's not really his game. He can bully anyone in the paint. I'd like to see him get away from that. He, uh, He put that combined with 11 boards in 39 minutes. So he was out there and keeping the Lakers in it. But you're right, LeBron led them in points, rebounds, and assists. So there's something to be said about that. But you saw how much they really struggled last year when AD was hurt. And I think he is the clutch factor that they need in order to win a ring
0: yeah he's definitely a top big in the league and he's going to be a big factor on how good this Lakers team is going to be the only reason why I'm not going to say he's the best is because of LeBron he's still doing what he's doing like you said 34 points 11 rebounds five assists um, led in each of those categories one player that I think might actually absolutely tear this team apart is Russell Westbrook He looked absolutely pathetic uh, in that opener game and he had four turnovers and Honestly in the fourth quarter when the Warriors pulled away I feel like a big reason was because Russell Westbrook and he wasn't giving the ball up to guys like LeBron and AD and that was really causing problems. Russell Westbrook only had four assists. We're talking about a guy who averaged a triple-double last year I'm not sure what he was doing in this game one. I'm not sure. He, He just looked lost out there He had eight points Uh, Four assists five rebounds if this Lakers team needs to if this Lakers team wants to be good I think Russell Westbrook needs to swallow his pride a little bit and just become that facilitator that they need
1: the team was Absolutely worse when he was on that floor the other night and you look at it when you lose a game by seven points Like the Lakers did your plus minus from your superstars aren't necessarily going to be great because you know They're on the floor for most of the game ad and LeBron both had minus two plus minus minus two plus-minus. Russell Westbrook had a minus twenty three plus That's minus. Extremely The poor. team was very bad when he was on the floor.
2: Yeah, and that was one of the issues that I had when when Russ came to LA. I had a feeling that this could be an issue. I mean, it's only the first game of the year, so you know it's going to take some time for him and LeBron and AD to figure it out. But uh, Russ is a guy who needs the ball in his hands and to score the basketball, and LeBron's also a guy who needs the ball in his hands to score the basketball. And AD is probably another guy who needs the ball in his hand to score the basketball. So you have three guys on the team that want to score the basketball. It's gonna, it's going to take some time to get going with chemistry and stuff. So we're going to see how that works out. But Russ needs to, I think, be a little more of a facilitator than scorer this year for the Lakers if they want to win a ring. He
0: needs to swallow his pride. That being said, Lakers are still my favorite to win uh, the finals this year. I do not think that the Nets are going to beat them out. The Nets are currently the favorite. That's why I'm going to roll with the Lakers for now.
1: My question for you becomes on the opposite side of that game. Great win on the road from the Warriors. Does Klay Thompson coming back make them a legitimate championship contender?
0: I mean, we're not going to see Klay Thompson until, what, December?
1: December, yep. Mid-season, right around the Christmas games.
0: I I mean, Klay Thompson I'm definitely excited for. I'm also excited for their rookie, Jonathan Kaminga, to come back. Um, I have really high hopes for him. This Warriors team could be pretty good. They impressed me a little bit by coming back in that game, although they were trailing... Um, for for majority of that game, um, I don't know. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna overreact to the Warriors just yet. They still have to prove a little bit more to me.
2: Yeah, I think until we can talk about um, championship contender, I think they need Wiseman to stay healthy. Uh, he's out right now. He's had injury issues already. He's Still very young. They just drafted him last year. Uh, he, they need to have a legit big. So I think Wiseman staying healthy and getting uh, old uh, Clay Thompson back to his old self, get him out there. I think they can definitely um, cause some damage for the whole Western Conference, but they got to stay healthy.
0: Right. Well, I'm excited for the basketball season to be back. Tonight, before we close out the shot, I just want to mention this Thursday night football game is going to be really tough to watch. I mean, you got a guy, Case Keenum, stepping in for the injured Baker Mayfield. Both running backs for the Browns are out, both tackles are hurt. I don't believe Odell Beckham's playing, and Jarvis Landry, I just saw, is going to try to play tonight. He was
1: just elevated off the IR this week.
0: It's going to be terrible to watch. And then you you got them playing a team then in the Denver Broncos that have no clue what's going on. They started off so hot by beating up on three of the worst teams in the NFL, and then have lost three straight. So I have no clue who's going to win tonight's game. I'm not even sure yeah. if I'm going to bother watching. I just
1: know that the eight fifteen time slot will be reserved for that Dodgers-Brace game. Right if There is no... No need for you to watch that football game. It'll, it will be disgusting. I agree. Yeah. And I
0: can't even say if you have fantasy implications because who the heck has fantasy implications? Did you pick up D. Ernest Johnson and you're looking to watch him in the game? I don't even know how they're going to use him. Yeah, it's uh, a mess. Do you have Jarvis Landry starting in your, in your roster? If so, you're probably losing your fantasy football league. And on the other side of the ball, the only guy that I can see you having is maybe Noah Fan. Yeah. Because seriously, if you're starting Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams, you also need to question your fantasy football ability. So no, that being know. said, it was a great episode. Tom and me, we're very glad to have Colin Nozick back, and I'm sure this won't be the last time. For sure. All right, well, thank you for joining us, Colin. I'm Bobby McInnes alongside Tom Spallone and we'll see you next time.